0: welcome beautiful people to camp koji my name is joel and thank you for joining me as i break down the biggest gaming news from the week that was on the only podcast you will ever need today's episode is going to be kind of interesting because last week eh, there really wasn't any major major news to talk about so i thought that i would take a moment in this episode to talk about Something I've been wanting to put on the show for uh, quite some time. And because of Epic's acquisition of Tonic Games last week, I thought it was a good episode to be able to bring this up, especially since there wasn't much news outside of that. So I'm going to talk about that. It's going to be the major story of the day. But first, I want to talk about the Nintendo Switch. So uh, what was it? Two weeks ago, I had talked about... Nintendo potentially creating a new Nintendo Switch that would either come out at the end of this year or early 2022. And my theory was based on obviously previous rumors that we've heard of Nintendo working on a, you know, Switch Pro, as some publications have have called it. And I was also talking about because of the Nintendo Direct that we saw, there were kind of a lot of, Things that were pointing towards the possibility of there being a Switch Pro once again being released at the end of this year, early 2022. A couple of things I brought up was the fact that there are a lot of these big AAA titles that we haven't, that were announced, but we haven't heard from in a while. Games like Metro Prime 4, Breath of the Wild 2, Bayonetta 3, for example. And it seemed like a lot of these games were being pushed back for a specific reason And the reason I was theorizing was because they wanted these games to kind of be premier showcases for whatever this Switch Pro is whenever it eventually comes out. And last week, there was a new Bloomberg report. Bloomberg was the original publication that had first sort of leaked info that Nintendo was working on simultaneously a Switch Pro and then what we now know is the Switch Lite. And... Last week, they claimed to have early details about a new Switch model. Apparently, some insiders gave them information. They were able to confirm that the, and remember these are all rumors, none of them were confirmed, and the new Switch will have an OLED screen that will be made by Samsung, and it will be seven inches across. So the current model for Nintendo Switch is a 6.2 inch screen for the regular and a 5.5 inch screen for the light so that's kind of a. It, it doesn't sound like it's a big change but i feel like it will look a lot more dramatic once we actually see the model this makes a lot of sense for them to number one go with something like oled which uses less power and uh, obviously to take this opportunity to make a bigger screen making it seven inches across the screen they claimed would be have 720p but the system would output in 4k when docked this 4k rumor we've heard for quite some time that nintendo had was already going to third-party developers and telling them to get their games ready to be able to output in 4k and uh, not just only ready for future releases but i guess get patches ready for the fact that this new model was going to be releasing also, according to Bloomberg, they claim that production on the new screens will commence in June with the display slated for shipment to assemblers around July, meaning that this new model could be ready in time for the holidays. I think they uh, uh, theorized like a million units being manufactured per month. Uh, so that's kind of everything that they had put together into that article. I personally think that, you know, higher frames will probably be the focus for developers with this extra power more so than just outputting in 4K. I could see a lot of developers, if there is extra power that, that is carried by this unit, that they will probably use that extra power to try to hit a very steady 30 frames per second for most of the games, or maybe even be able to reach 60 frames obviously we don't really know what the technical specs of this newer unit would be I think they would go for that try to go 1080p 60 rather than try to go 4k for example and have to suffer with the frame rate I mean 4k is great but if the game isn't locked in at a certain frame rate then all that is kind of out the window so it'll be interesting to see exactly how they are pulling this off does the dock have something inside of it some sort of technology is built into the dock that sort of helps the nintendo switch output f4k is it the switch itself that's doing a lot of the lift the heavy lifting it'll be interesting to see exactly um you know uh, what this will look like so two weeks ago when i had spoken about this i had theorized that won't be getting a switch pro i kind of think that this will be a new nintendo switch rather than nintendo wanting to have three completely different models on the market i think they will are trying their best to try to get this new model in at uh 300 in order to replace the nintendo switch and the one thing i did say was that i i'm kind of doubtful that nintendo will create exclusive games for this but According to a reset era leaker named Nate Drake, who has successfully leaked Nintendo announcements in the past, he claims that there quote there will be some select exclusives, especially from third party partners. It may not be a big number of them, but I know of at least one. And you know, if this is true, I personally think it's it's a bad move. I think there's a reason why when Xbox created the xbox series s and x they expressly had told developers that you cannot make an xbox series x exclusive both you know both systems are interconnected you can't release a game on on one version and not release it on the other and i think that's the smart way to go because the worst thing that you want to do is fragment your your hardware base and unless the switch pro has you know completely revolutionary new features to it i think that i don't think that there are going to be a lot of users out there that own a nintendo switch that are going to be paying that extra money just to switch over um and i just don't think that exclusive games are really the way to go about it now when we talked about the new nintendo 3ds they were only about I think there were only like five exclusive games or something like that. And I think the only first party exclusive was Xenoblade. I think it was the only one that Nintendo released. The other bigger uh, third party exclusive was Minecraft. You can only play it on new Nintendo 3DS because that game needed the extra power in order to run. And the one thing about it is I think that third party... Companies are going to look at Nintendo to set the pace for whatever this this new system is going to be. So what that means is if they want to make a game exclusive, they need to make sure that there's an install base there that's going to be available to buy it. And they're probably going to look at Nintendo to do something like that. Now, would Nintendo create a... Let's just call it a new Nintendo Switch. A new Nintendo Switch exclusive? No, I, I don't really see Nintendo actually doing something like that so i mean i f- i find this claim a little bit hard to believe um because even though nintendo has been doing good with third party like the really big third party games it's been a little bit tough to get them to the system what are you thinking of big franchises like you know ubisoft and assassin's creed watchdogs and all their other franchises or you know the the, the the big dog activision with call of duty even though these systems have a good install base these companies aren't willing to bring their games down to such a level in order to to launch on Nintendo Switch even though there is a lot of money to be made with the install base that Nintendo has now you're talking about introducing a new version of the system where if you are there at launch you know will your game have legs like how many people are going to be really ready and willing to pick up this new system when we're already four years in so it's going to be interesting to see exactly how this pans out one thing's for sure there definitely is a new switch model coming at some point where there's at the end of this year early 2022 like i was talking about um on the show i think it was two episodes ago you know we'll have to sort of wait and see i've been talking about this for a while that i don't think nintendo should do a third model i think it should be something akin to a new nintendo switch that eventually replaces nintendo switch on the market and then all you have is you know switch Lite, and you have the whatever new nintendo switch because there are a lot of things that they could definitely fix about the nintendo switch whether it's the joy con um you know uh, removing and putting them back on obviously the joy con are highly unreliable the way that they are right now. There are a lot of changes that they can make in terms of a a new revision, but I don't think running three models on the market simultaneously is really the way to go for them. So obviously we'll have to um, you know, wait and see on that. Our next story deals with Fortnite. And then from there we're gonna go on to the main story, which is talking about obviously if you're listening to this episode, you already know the name of the episode, which is uh, Epic Metaverse. So Arizona legislators just passed an anti-monopoly bill in a 3129 vote. What this bill does is called HB 2005. It restricts the ability of certain digital application distribution platforms to require use of a specific in-application payment system. This, reflux, excuse me, this restriction applies to digital application distribution platforms like the iOS App Store and Google Play and any other distribution platform that exceeds one million community of downloads in a single calendar year so if the bill becomes state law companies like apple and google would also be banned from retaliating against developers for using an in-app payment system other than their own now this has been sort of the crux of Fortnite's legal battle with apple and when this first happened last year i talked about that I think that Tim Sweeney and Epic Games were fighting a battle that they needed to fight. You know, for whatever reason, they, reasoning they wanted to give, talking about that it's not just for us, it's also about the little guys. For whatever reason, they wanted to kind of open this box and begin this legal battle. I think it it is a battle that has to be had, not just by Epic Games, but by multiple companies, because Apple will just continue to grow. And... You know, they are encroaching on monopoly territory, especially when you think about when you think about tough ones on the market, there really are only two operating systems. It's either the iOS or it's Android. You know, not even, you know, Windows doesn't exist anymore. Blackberries don't exist anymore. So it really is just these two operating systems. And as they continue to grow, they are sort of creating a mobile monopoly when it comes to Uh, their app stores especially because they're the only store that's available on that particular device especially you know probably actually exclusively if we're talking about Apple and uh, and iOS and because of that they're able to force these app developers to use their in-app payment system so Apple is the one that processes the payments and because they force developers to use their payment processing, that's where they're able to take that 30% cut of anything that's being sold. And that's when obviously, as we know now, Fortnite tried to put in their own payment system and was instantly kicked off the Apple Store. I remember when they first did it, I remember distinctly saying, this was an absolutely huge mistake from Tim Sweeney and Epic Games. This was not the way to go about it uh, because no, Court is going to defend what Epic did because they knowingly just broke their terms and and broke their contract in order to kind of prove this point. And what Epic was banking on was, you know, their fans retaliating and you know, I I think they definitely put too much faith <laughs> into their fan base. And I'm not saying like their fan base let them down. No, that's that's not really what I mean. I think their fan base reacted exactly as they should. And it was something I had talked about when I was speaking about it on the podcast, which is that, you know, Epic Games and Fortnite will turn out to be the bad guys in the end because they were the ones that forced Apple's hand to basically kick them out of the store and not really the other way around where Epic Games was trying to position Fortnite, excuse me, trying to position Apple as like the bully. They're the bad guys. And in reality, it's, you know, it's not really that uh, black and white. So... If this does pass in law in Arizona, then obviously there is a a possibility of, you know, companies like uh, Epic Games and and Spotify and Facebook. A lot of these companies that are also upset about Apple taking the 30% cut, you'll probably see them lobbying for similar bills to be introduced in other states. So there's a big reason as to why Epic wants... uh, to be able to have their own processing system on platforms like Apple. Not only just their own, pla- uh, excuse me, not only just their own processing system, but they want to be able to put their own store on, a, on Apple iOS devices. And the big reason is not really Fortnite. The big reason is for what Epic is wanting, basically what Epic's next big venture is, which is the metaverse. Now the metaverse is something that I've been wanting to talk about for a while. I was going to make a video. It kind of just slipped through the cracks. I wasn't able to finish it. And I feel because of this purchase that Epic Games made last week, I felt like, you know what, it's not really much that happened last week. I think this is a good time for me to talk about the metaverse and maybe introduce this concept to a lot of the people listening to this podcast that probably have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about or have no idea exactly what the metaverse is but before we get into that let's talk quickly about epic games purchasing mediatonic which is the studio behind fall guys ultimate knockout and they made this purchase last week there was like a frequently asked questions about it Uh, they announced that the game would remain on steam but you know that's probably not going to be there forever i don't think that game will be there by 2022 once they start building up the features the same thing happened with rocket league when they bought uh I, I can't remember the name of the uh psionics was it I, I can't really fully remember the name of the developers but once they bought them and bought rocket league they introduced it to free to play and then once that happened then it came exclusively to the epic game store and i think they were still they're still kind of supporting the steam version but you can't Uh, there are no new downloads for it studio said that they're focusing on bringing crossplay and squad v squad most of the game similar to what they did with rocket league i think this game definitely will go free to play i think um epic has understood or excuse me not even just understood but they are arguably the pioneers of free to play uh sort of uh what's the word i'm looking for uh, not only just free-to-play games but how to successfully monetize a free-to-play game it's uh, obviously with what they've been doing with uh, fortnite so when this announcement came through you know a lot of people were talking about what it means for fall guys and talking about that you know tonic games will excuse me media tonic will not have access to a lot more resources to allow this game to grow faster and maybe more crossover opportunities like the ones that they've been doing lately with you know what they had the sonic costume and all these all these different things that can open themselves up to even doing collaborations with fortnite and sort of you know have some synergy between these three properties uh, including rocket league and now that epic owns and i saw a lot of publications talk about this but i saw a lot of them not talk about what i thought was the most interesting part is acquisition and that was in the press release. Uh, Tim Sweeney, who is the founder of Epic Games, said, quote, It's no secret that Epic is invested in building the metaverse and Tonic Games shares his goal. As Epic works to build this virtual future, we need great creative talent who know how to build powerful games, content and experiences. And I think the metaverse is something that a lot of people aren't really talking about. And it's, it's for a few reasons. It's probably because you know, this is something that, you know, will not really be happening until, you know, probably a decade from now. This is something that's a really, really big undertaking. But it's something that Tim Sweeney has been talking about for at least the last decade, probably the last 10 to 20 years, is the creation of the metaverse. So the metaverse uh, before, actually, no, yeah, let, let me, let me explain what is the metaverse. So Epic Games CEO Tim Sweeney had a great definition for it. He said the definition of Metaverse, according to him, is, quote, a real-time 3D social medium where people can create and engage in shared experiences as equal participants in an open economy with societal impacts. And one of the most recent and closest kind of pop culture depictions that we see in the Metaverse was the book Ready Player One. It had a metaverse in it called the Oasis and obviously we all know it was eventually turned into a film. There's a second book called Ready Player Two and it gave a lot of people a very good visual depiction of what a metaverse would be. Inside of that book, you would put on a headset. Uh, They have like haptic feedback, suits and gloves also. And then from there, you would enter into a virtual world. And in the book, it's imagined as a planet where basically everything is done in this virtual world especially we're talking about like schools you go to a school there's you know different planets with different school systems and things like that as is given for you know one example there's also employment when it comes to to working inside of the oasis and things like that right so this is something an undertaking that Tim Sweeney has wanted to do for quite some time and you know before I move on to Fortnite and and basically what Fortnite really is or what it, it has been turned into, because it started off as just this battle royale game, but actually it's warped into, you know, what I call a case study and a test for the metaverse. The closest universe competing with Epic Games on a metaverse creation would is, is actually Roblox, which is a game that... Uh, A lot of gamers or traditional gamers that you would think of, the 18 to 42 year old gamer, doesn't really think about something like Roblox. And that's because Roblox is still really regarded as a kid's game. It's something that, you know, I've spoken to a lot of family members, sons and and daughters asking for Robux cards and things like that. They don't really understand exactly what the heck is going on. Because it is something that is still predominantly dominated by a very young audience still. But Roblox is about to go public this month, I believe. And according to their last valuation, they're currently valued at $29.5 billion dollars. And that was, I think, in January, 2021, that they were valued at 29.5 billion. In August, 2020, Epic Games was valued at 17.3 billion. As of January, 2021, Roblox has over 199 million monthly active users. We really don't have that number for Fortnite. The last number we got was August, 2018, 78.3 million monthly active users. Now, obviously, that number has definitely grown by now. Now, the funny thing is you look at the valuation of these two companies. I think, I think for a lot of people, they probably won't. It, it might be a little hard for them to believe that Roblox is valued at close to $30 billion. It's probably only gonna increase after this month. And, you know, with Epic Games or valuation August 2020 was 17.3 Billion it's probably a little hard to believe that roblox is is uh, valued higher than epic games but there's actually a reason for it and it's the reason why roblox is on a technical level closer to something we would consider a metaverse than something like fortnite and that's because roblox has user generated content which fortnite does not it also has its own currency and exchange marketplace whereas fortnite does not now in fortnite you can buy V-Bucks, for example, in order to purchase skins, but you can't exchange that money back into actual U.S. currency. So a Roblox, you can, when you generate content, you can charge Robux for that content and then exchange it back to U.S. dollars based on an exchange rate. So if one Robux is equivalent to one cent, you can exchange it back into U.S. dollars at a rate of about 0.0035 Sense and obviously that's how Roblox as a company makes their money. But if you are a user, you can create games and you know skins and things like that in order to sell and make money. So they actually have their own economy backed by user generated content, which is something that Fortnite does not have. Now, Roblox and the creator of Roblox has publicly acknowledged this kind of idea of a metaverse the difference between roblox and epic games is that roblox believes that the metaverse will be completely user generated and they believe that their users are going to be the ones to establish sort of the rules and the framework and the, and and the ground that a metaverse will be built upon and i totally disagree with that that's not i don't think that's really the way to go about when it comes to undertaking something as big as uh, creating the metaverse. The other thing is that Roblox has a weakness and the weakness that they have is that most of their users are very young. 67% of their users are under the age of 16. Over 62% of Fortnite players are age between 18 and 24. And while Roblox current weakness could become a future strength because you have these kids that are 16 that will obviously uh, get older and as they get older continue to interact with roblox and then those will be the people that will help drive this in-game economy for roblox that is supposed to be the backbone of a metaverse there's actually a reason why i think epic games is a lot closer to this than anything else the metaverse to me is something that honestly has it's it's something that very 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 much excites me, and it's because this is without a doubt kind of uh, a natural future evolution of the internet and the way that we th- we treat the internet, the way that we use it now. But I think that there's a couple of reasons why Tim Sweeney and Epic Games is better positioned, and I think Tim Sweeney understands fundamentally just how much work something like this is going to take not only just work but collaboration across many different industries in order to get something like this to actually work properly because when it comes to the introduction and the execution of a metaverse you kind of only have one shot at it and if you don't uh, kind of lay down that framework correctly then it will quickly quickly collapse and one example, one public example of a metaverse that failed was PlayStation. PlayStation had PlayStation Home with the play with, uh, I think what was it, PS3? I think that PlayStation Home debuted in, and it technically sort of was one of the earliest, uh, depictions of what we considered a metaverse. You could buy an apartment, you can decorate the apartment. I remember though these talks about sharing media, like you can invite people into your apartment and. Uh, have media playing off your playstation 3 and it'll play off the tv in your apartment you could buy clothes i remember during e3 they sort of had like these small booth setups and things like that you go bowling but it was something where the ideas were there but the technology wasn't there yet right so if you tried to play a mini game like bowling or go to an arcade there was like a virtual queue you know the servers couldn't handle multiple people in a lot, you know, a lot of these spaces. So it, but it was something that sort of worked. Like Sony did generate a lot of revenue from it, but they never got to the step of user-generated content predominantly driving that economy. And that, and that's really what you think about when you think about the real world and real life economy. Like yes, you have these these mega stores and mega manufacturers, but a lot of it, a lot of innovation is predominantly generated by individuals, by users. They're the ones that are generating the content that we consume each and every single day, whether it's, you know, a piece of clothing or art that you decide to buy, or whether it's, you know, you're going to tiktok or youtube or whatever and you're you're going there to laugh at videos or uh, whatever else it may be these are platforms that are really primarily driven and built on user generated content youtube is actually a really perfect example of it youtube doesn't really generate any of the content that they have all of it is really generated by users and then youtube charges advertising and then a lot of that is split with a lot of the YouTubers that you used to watching, and I think that's the way the the the, the that that's the way that uh, Roblox is looking at it. It's almost like that YouTube approach of, yeah, we have the tools here, and we're gonna have we're gonna let all of our users just kind of build this out, sort of on their own. And there are tools that they give you. I think it, I think it's called the Roblox Studio, and from there you can create your own games, and then you can charge people Robux to pay those uh, to to play those games. And that's really kind of the starting point of of that economy. And they've tested all these different things. But Epic is taking, a, I think they're taking a much different approach where I think they're looking at two roads. And one of them is content generated by, you know, what I would consider first-party content. So content generated by Epic Games and their partners. And then eventually the road that they haven't built yet Would be considered third-party content and that will be something that users would would generate you know uh, clothing and vehicles and you know all these different things right and it's almost like they're setting up a little bit closer to what we look at when we think of a video game system when you think of of nintendo you think of those first-party games that really get you to pay attention and really get you to go out and buy that system. And then that's, once you're already in that uh, ecosystem, then you're looking at third party content to keep you playing that system. And I think that's the way that they're looking at it. So while Fortnite is a battle royale game, I think the one thing that a lot of people have been missing is that everything else has been added to the game. You know, From my perspective, have been various tests and case studies that have been conducted by Epic Games in order to garner and gain data to eventually build the metaverse which I don't think will technically take place inside of Fortnite but Fortnite gives them a great place to test and execute these ideas almost kind of prove almost like prove this concept even if it's not a fully fleshed out version of what they consider the metaverse to eventually uh, be so I want to go through a couple of things that Fortnite has done uh, or Epic has put into Fortnite to prove to partners and advertisers that this is uh, the next place for them to go and I think this is where Epic Games is setting themselves apart from Roblox is that they're kind of starting to sell their metaverse to advertisers. And when we think about the way that uh, monetization works within our digital life nowadays, whether you think about Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or TikTok, when you think of any of these platforms, they are free to access. And whenever you access something for free, you know nine times out of 10, that means that you as the user who is accessing it Are essentially the product. So every time you are using Facebook for completely free, you're not paying anything. What you are paying with is your data that is then sold to advertisers, and then those advertisers use those data in order to push ads that they think that you're going to care about, that you're going to want. You know, if if I'm Coca-Cola, maybe based upon everything that I've read on your, you know. Data. Maybe you won't drink Coca Cola because a little bit, excuse me, you're a little bit healthier. But maybe I can push this new, you know, Diet Coke Cherry flavor on you. For example, you are essentially the product, and I think that's where Epic Games is positioning the Metaverse. Is that I think they understand that number one, they need a lot of content and need a lot of money in order to build something like this, and that's the way that they're going, which I feel will make them more successful than. Roblox because they're going for this kind of two-pronged approach. And let me tell you some of the examples of some of the tests that they have run in order to prove to these companies the things that they can do. So number one is that they proved that they can handle global events where users are able to simultaneously experience an event in real time. When we think about the last one that they did, which was the Galactus event that had 15 million players. Now, up throw a scenario out there, imagine a global Marvel event tied into the MCU where Users, you know, get to use their favorite Marvel hero to navigate a story event very similar to Galactus, but an event that actually directly ties back into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, they also did something called, uh, if you remember, I think this was like a year or two ago, they did a Weezer themed island where it was an island that did nothing but play Weezer music. And I think this was an early test from Epic Games. Uh, to test what they would consider individual worlds or, or planets, very similar to what we saw from Ready Player One, the advertisers can build to push a new upcoming project. So or product. So, for example, Universal Pictures creating, uh, you know, an interactive Jurassic Park to sell whatever the next film would be. Right. The pandemic also was a warning sign to many industries that relied on physical spaces concerts are the number one way that artists generate revenue nowadays it's not really much from album sales streams are you know pennies to the dollar they really generate a lot of their revenue from um from what do you call it like uh, prod- uh products like t-shirts and things like that and mostly from concerts that's really the number one way that uh artists generate their revenue and if we look at what happened with the pandemic in the year 2020, right now we're we're in this position where there's a vaccine rolling out, but there are still a lot of projections that we won't get to what we would consider or what we once considered normal until around 2024 or something like that, some of these projections are saying. But what the year 2020 did was that it just accelerated the need for not only just a digital world but the need for digital products. And you saw a lot of businesses go from something that we consider physical only into something that is deliverable and is a lot more digital than uh, they were able to kind of sell people on regularly. So we saw a lot of restaurants going into delivery. That's kind of one example. So when you think about one of the industries that was hit really hard when it came to the pandemic it was definitely the music industry. So then you think about Travis Scott's Astronomical being a case study for a new revenue stream for artists and record labels. So Fortnite tested elaborate DJ sets with Marshmallow before showcasing more traditional video video stream sets using various DJs like Diplo. You know, lately we've seen a lot of DJs turn to Twitch and Instagram Live to play sets now that live venues were shut down. So imagine a future In a metaverse where any dj could host a dedicated space complete with kind of elaborate stages and light work and you could do it for millions of people at a time so that was kind of one of the earlier tests that epic did in order to kind of endear themselves to the music industry but then you think about the elaborate concert that they did with travis scott and obviously that had a much more increased production value So the first day of Astronomical, 12 million people watch. Now, if you combine the capacity of the top 10 stadiums in the world, you won't surpass 1.2 million people. And there was an estimate that was released. I actually don't have it in my notes, so I'm taking it from memory because I brought it up on this show a few episodes ago where there was an estimate that was put out that Travis Scott on that astronomical event with, with, uh, with Epic games generated more revenue than the entirety of his physical astronomical tour. And if you, if you don't think to yourself that record labels and artists look at that type of success at, at say to themselves, wait, hold on a minute. So you're telling me I can generate more revenue by doing something virtual, um, you know, we're going to get to a point in technology where these artists are going to be able to do something live in real time instead of doing something that's pre-animated, for example. But even something like Travis Scott could be pre-animated and could still pull in that much money. And I can play a live concert that can have, you know, 20, 30 million people experiencing at the same time. It's just too big of an idea. It's too big of an opportunity for people to pass up. And that's really where Fortnite has gotten into. Uh, and Fortnite's not the only one. You know, Roblox had a Lil Nas X virtual concert that had 33 million viewers. Even TikTok held a virtual concert with the weekend last year when the pandemic was going down. But you also have to think about the amount of cost that these artists would save. You know, you would. Save costs on, you know, shipping equipment and and travel and all these different things that you would cut a lot of overhead off of because you'll be able to build a virtual venue once and then it's already built. You're only paying people to run it properly, run it and stream it properly. It's not like you're taking down and rebuilding a set every single time. So this these were some uh, pretty amazing uh, tests that Fortnite did. Well, I think from a player perspective, from Fortnite players, they looked at it as like, oh, this is a a pretty cool thing that they did. Travis Scott is obviously one of the biggest artists in the world right now. But the way that I looked at it, I was like, wow, this is an amazing case study and a test that now Epic Games can shop around to different record labels and different artists, you know, Ariana Grande, Doja Cat and all these other huge artists right now and tell them, hey, we have a dedicated team that can work with you to build a set that you could never build in real life. That's just not absolutely, po- that's not physically possible in the world that we occupy. And we're able to build this for you once, you can run multiple shows and you can sell tickets to it. Like obviously Fortnite is is free. You had to make this free because it's a case study. But at the end of the day, you'd be crazy to think that Travis Scott fans wouldn't pay 10, you know, 20, even, even charging something. I, I don't think they could go with $100 a ticket like they can um you know in 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 the real world but you have a higher volume so you can sell tickets a lot cheaper the reason why ticket prices are like you know 200 300 dollars a seat is because there's limited capacity of course you got to raise the price up but if I'm able to charge people 20 30 dollars a ticket but I can I can fit 30 million people into the stadium and I can still offer VIP packages and what those VIP packages do is They give you exclusive content, exclusive skins and emotes and stuff like that. There's just a lot of big monetization opportunities out there that I feel like a lot of people, uh, a lot of artists are not going to be able to just kind of turn away from and say, oh, no, this is just a fad. It definitely isn't just a fad. And I think this is Epic Games strength compared to something like Roblox when it comes to eventually building out a metaverse Um, because, like I said, they're going for this two-pronged approach where they're trying to sell it sell this to advertisers in different industries as a digital space to do something that they once were able to do physically but they have a higher opportunity to to, to walk away with a lot more revenue so when we think about 2020 uh, a year that saw live shows like comedy shows concerts broadway was forced to shut down you know companies are going to start looking for virtual alternatives. And one that is not, you know, limited to physical capacity. And who knows? At some point we may reach a time, uh, on this timeline in this earth, whatever year that may be, 2092 or something like that, where a physical concert or a physical Broadway show may be the exclusive thing. That that'll be the rare thing. And and the more common thing are virtual performances and the physical ones, then you'd be able to charge a thousand dollars a ticket or tickets for a live performance of Hamilton or something like that right Uh, then we also see the test that they did with the film industry so Christopher Nolan used Fortnite to debut a tenant trailer he actually screened one of his films in its entirety it definitely wasn't the ideal scenario that you would want when you're watching a movie but once again these are just case studies and tests so another you know example I could give is imagine a new book is launching Uh, For whatever reason, you know, there's a new, trying to think of a universe, Harry Potter, whatever. There's like a new Harry Potter book. And imagine, you know, in order to advertise that book, there's an entire world that's built that's a visual representation of the world that you encounter, the book, and characters that you can interact with. And I think that's really where Epic is pushing their metaverse i think they're pushing it to a lot of these different companies and the way that they're selling it is on something that i'm gonna just personally call what i consider interactive advertising and i think the the kind of the trick is to be able to advertise to people without them fully being aware that they're watching or interacting with an advertisement or that somebody's trying to sell them something. So when you think about TV ads, when you think about pre-roll ads or something like YouTube or Twitch, for example, those are the ads that are doing the worst. Like at one point they worked, right? They worked when you were watching TV and you were forced to sit down and you know watch two minutes of commercials or something like that. But the problem was that they never worked really well because you always felt like you were forced. You always, you know, you always want to rebel against something where you feel like you're being forced to do something that you don't want to do. So when commercials came up, you would just switch the channel. Then we had, you know, DVR, then you would just use that to skip the channels. Now we have premium channels like, you know, HBO Max and Netflix where there aren't any commercials at all and even when you're watching a YouTube video, you're just kind of counting down those five seconds, and you're skipping it. Even if it's you, you're, you encounter an unskippable ad, the first thing you do is you pull out your phone because you don't want to be forced to do something like that. So this is where this is kind of where advertisers are finding an issue. Advertising right now has to go into a, a new evolution. And advertisers have to find new ways to sell you stuff. That's why you have influencer marketing on the rise. You have things like TikTok really getting heavy into ads and uh, companies using TikTok influencers and people on that platform in order to sell their McDonald's chicken sandwiches and things like that. Or you have social media marketing trying to humanize their brand. So you have Wendy's you know, roasting and, and dissing all these other brands in order to humanize a basically a product so it's like you know they're cool they're funny but at the end of the day Wendy's is really just trying to sell you chicken nuggets because they know if they run a chicken nugget ad at the beginning of YouTube you're probably not really going to pay attention you just want to get to your video you nobody likes to be forced to do something that they don't want to do and I think this is what Epic is going to start driving once again those two roads one road is really to drive advertising and industries into their metaverse. And this is the way that they're going to sell it to them. They're going to sell it as interactive advertising, meaning is advertising where players don't really fully think that they're being advertised to. They think that they're getting the better end of the deal because they're getting free things. So, if you think of Epic, they partnered with Netflix, the NFL, Nerf, DC Comics, Nike, Jordan. Their biggest partner is obviously Disney. When these skins come out, even when people pay for the skins or there are these events where you get free emotes and free skins, no one really thinks about it as advertising, right? When you got free NFL jerseys, you're going to think about it as advertising. But it it really is essentially brand reinforcement right so epic is going to need first and third party content in order to drive traffic into uh, the metaverse and they'll you do so by utilizing what i just talked about which is called interactive advertising so i had mentioned about disney being the uh fortnite's biggest partner because they understand the power behind advertising without the user being aware that they're being advertised to so you have skins and items such as lightsabers or you think of a game mode like you know the infinity gauntless thanos mode that they that they um did a few years ago for infinity war those weren't just game items they essentially were interactive ads for the film but you didn't really feel like that's where you were doing because you weren't getting plastered by infinity war ads but you were being plastered by thanos and and marvel characters in order to to reinforce that brand and hopefully drive more people uh to watch infinity war which was i think what it it didn't come out to like the biggest film of all time or was that endgame i can't remember so when you think of something like wendy's wendy's can advertise a new sandwich by building you know a wendy's planet uh, you know, complete with premium items and you get like a Wendy skin or emo or something like that. And maybe from within that planet, you can access a machine and that, you know, connects virtually to DoorDash and you can, you know, virtually order a chicken sandwich to your real house. Like if you don't think this stuff is going to happen, you're insane. You're crazy. Of course this stuff is going to happen. So when I think of Disney, I look at it as like Disney is drawn to this aspect of a metaverse where they can build a theme park that never closes one of disney's biggest issues during the pandemic is that they were forced to close uh, their theme parks and now imagine you are able to run these two businesses simultaneously you have a physical theme park but you also have a virtual one and a virtual theme park never closes never has any lines to get on the, on, on rides you have rides that are built to do things that are just not possible in the physical world that we occupy. And you're doing all that while collecting revenue from ticket sales and virtual items, You know, virtual items that get generated once and never have to be shipped or stored anywhere. You know, The concept of a virtual world living parallel to the physical one is one that is very, very much going to be happening. And everything that Fortnite has been doing is basically a case study made by Epic to build, you know, uh, what it comes, what essentially would be considered a virtual world. Now, user-generated content and revenue potential will be what will allow Epic's metaverse to have a self-sustaining uh, economy, and that goes into this theory that Tim Sweeney uh, once said, which is one that I love to repeat because it's it's just a very very good way to look at something like the metaverse. Um, In one of his talks, I think it was at Dice, and this was like probably like eight years ago, um, he theorized that innovations come in fits and starts. Uh, And he used Facebook as a perfect example where he said, you know, Facebook could have been built a decade before it actually debuted, but it didn't. And he theorized the reason behind it was more social than technical. Basically, he felt that socially, there weren't enough people that would be uh comfortable with this concept of facebook and what facebook needed was a new generation of kids who grown up seeing computers as a social device and not really as a tool for you know work or science or development and that's really the generation we're in right now we're currently in the middle of a new generation that don't believe there is a, a separation between a physical and a virtual world we are in a generation where a lot of uh Teens and even young adults are using virtual spaces to meet up. Whether that is, you know, things like Discord or you know even video games. When you think of, uh, you know, this Clubhouse app, for example, and Twitter Spaces and things like that, um, Twitch. We are in a in in a place right now with this generation where there isn't this distinct separation. Uh, between the physical and virtual worlds or using Fortnite as a place to virtually meet or hang out as opposed to a physical meeting place spending real world money on virtual clothing which is something that people in their you know 40s 50s 60s maybe even late 30s it's something that it's very hard for them to kind of get their mind wrap their mind around it you know if you go to uh your typical mother and father or you know especially someone who's a lot older like 60 70 you tell them like yeah the virtual economy will be trillions of dollars worth trillions of dollars within the next 30 years they find it very very hard to believe or you tell them like yeah you know i spent 50 you know 50 dollars on this jacket and this shirt for my virtual person it's hard for them to understand something like that And that's really where it comes to technology coming in fits and starts, which is even if Epic was ready to deliver a metaverse 10, 15 years ago, such as the way that Sony did with PlayStation Home, not only was the technology not ready, but society wasn't ready for it. And we're at a point right now where society is at that turning point where they're ready to accept a virtual world and and feeding and growing a virtual economy as opposed um, to a physical one, which is something that older generation is just, would not be able to interact with. So when we think about the latest virtual craze right now, you've probably heard the word NFT or non-fungible tokens. That's something that a lot of people that grew up in a physical-only world find very hard to to grasp. Even myself, I still kind of can't believe the amount of money that people are able to make on NFTs but it's something that will only continue to grow. So, you know, a few weeks ago, the Nyan Cat uh, GIF was minted into an NFT last month and that sold for $600,000. You know, an artist named Beeple sold a one-of-one digital piece of art called Crossroad for $6.6 million. And this is the digital piece of art. And of course, a lot of people look at it as like, well, it's digital. I can just take a photo of it, download it. Like, what's the point of being kind of, that uh, one of one owner proved by the blockchain that you had this crossroads piece of art and the best analogy that I have have been able to give people in order to help them understand a little bit more is the mona lisa you know anyone can go into the louvre and take a photo and take a video and take a selfie with the mona lisa but we all know who actually owns the real mona lisa and that's kind of how a lot of people look at nfts and You know, this is one of the major advantages that uh, Epic has over Roblox when it comes to the creation of Metaverse is that even though they don't currently have a way for users to generate content, they're able to quickly build a roadmap in order to get that. So the first roadmap to Epic's Metaverse is advertising. In my opinion, that's really the way that they're going to start to be able to to drive money in order to build something like this, because this definitely is not going to be cheap. And number two is user-generated content. You need user-generated content in order to build an economy where people can contribute to it and also be able to uh, earn a living off of it. That's kind of the way that you will build a real world economy. The same goes for something that's virtual. So obviously Epic has a lot of advantages over Roblox. Number one is the Unreal Engine. You know, uh, number two, the Epic Game Store was a case study that they could create a functioning marketplace. Unreal Engine right now is currently used to create virtual assets in popular media, such as the Mandalorian. It's even used by car manufacturers, to 3D model upcoming vehicles. These assets that are built in Unreal Engine can easily be imported into a virtual world. So the next time that Tesla announces, you know, uh, the cyber plane or whatever, you you'll be able to go into the Tesla planet and be able to fly this actual plane before you're able to buy it. And then, you know, obviously maybe set up some sort of in the virtual world, set up an appointment for a real world test drive or from the virtual world, be able to just, um, you know, order a car from, you know, Toyota world or something like that. Right. Um, Tim Sweeney has already confirmed he has interest in using the blockchain to create a record of ownership for items created within the metaverse. So if you know boss logic i guess the first name that came to mind creates a limited edition sword you know i and it's minted as an nft within the epics metaverse then i'm the only person that actually has that sword or that you know piece of art hanging in my virtual house for example and once again it might be hard for a lot of people to think about someone spending money virtually but look at something like GTA Online, right? You look at GTA Online, everything in there is completely virtual, right? When you buy, um, you know, GTA money, you cannot, you can't even convert it back into real money. You know, if you play Red Dead Online, you buy gold, you can't convert that back into, you know, US dollars. But what Rockstar was able to build with GTA Online has effectively not given us of the Grand Theft Auto for close to like 10 years now, and the reason why is because they understand that they're able to build this virtual world that's not even a proper economy right now because they're the only ones that are generating content. But once you take the concept of something like GTA online and you open it up so anyone can design and create cars and design and create clothing, you know, you're gonna see like, you know, the virtual Alexander Wangs and, and Louis Vuittons of the worlds be able to make their names in this virtual world. You're going to see people, you know, something very akin to, you know, the hype that goes around a Supreme sweatshirt, uh, but it's going to be a virtual one. And like I said, for a lot of people, like to me, I, I, I was born in the physical only world and I grew up, uh with the internet and the uh the virtual world so it's a little bit easier for me to see that these these things will happen even if i'm not the ideal consumer like i i'm not like even nowadays (laughs) i don't buy and and pay for virtual skins because it's not that big of a deal to me so i'm definitely not the ideal consumer for these types of things but i'm definitely a person that's very very interested in it and I wanted to end it by also talking about a lot of Epic's recent acquisitions that point towards developing tools to enable creators to easily generate kind of robust user content. So, and a lot of these acquisitions came in within the last two years. and once again, it's not something I've seen a lot of media and publications talk about. So in 2019, they acquired a company called Three Laterals, a company that specializes in realistic computer-generated human characters. In 2020, they acquired Cubic Motion, company specializing in facial animations they also acquired a company called hypersense a company that created a real-time facial motion capture software so it uses a even just your 2d webcam and as you talk a a virtual avatar can can mimic and match uh, the way your mouth moves all three of these companies were combined to create what Epic calls the digital humans team. And we actually saw one of their first projects just about a month ago, Epic revealed MetaHuman, which was an easy to follow creator where users could create a realistic human character in just minutes. In 2019, they acquired Agog Labs. It's a company known for a product called Skookum Script, it's a powerful scripting solution and command console that's used to create AI gameplay and high level stage direction. So what's great is that these companies are being acquired uh, to inject a lot of this into the unreal engine you'll you, the one thing you'll notice about unreal within the last two to three years is a lot of the tools are now offered to for for free to unreal developers and i think that's a two-pronged approach number one is to get more people to adopt unreal engine but i think it's also to eventually build a much more user-friendly version of the Unreal Engine. In 2020, they acquired Super Awesome. That's a company that innovates on tech revolving around enabling safe digital engagement, advertising, and transactions specifically for kids. If you're gonna build a metaverse, you have to make sure that you make it age appropriate. Rad Game Tools, a company that makes video game development tools, that was acquired in 2020. Also in 2020, they acquired Quixel. It's the team behind Megascans, an extensive library of 2D and 3D photogrammetry assets supported by companion applications, Bridge, and Mixer. And I think we saw a little bit of that in the Unreal Engine 5 demo that we saw during the PlayStation you know, uh, presentation. Now, while these acquisitions have direct impacts on Unreal Engine, it's not far-fetched to think these companies are being brought together to create a simple user-friendly application to create digital assets. And that's really the last thing that Epic is missing for the metaverse. And as I said, the metaverse is not really going to be uh Fortnite, Fortnite, i think will remain a battle royale but i think a lot of the partnerships that they've been able to put together are and a lot of the lessons that they learned those are really the ones that will be used in order to create something separate which would be eventually the metaverse now obviously we don't know exactly how epic sees the metaverse really being sort of technically built out Is this something where, you know, we're talking about VR and you'll have to wear a VR headset in order to interact with it? Is it a little bit more cartoony and avatar driven, something like a Roblox, for example? Um, I think they're going to try to find some middle ground, but I I would theorize that, that they're looking for a much more realistic depiction of a metaverse. I mean, we've seen what companies like Ninja Theory is doing with the Unreal Engine and manipulating it and that really super realistic sort of game that they're building out over there we've gotten sneak peeks at from Microsoft. So there's kind of a lot that they can do with this, but number 1 is this is really Epic's next big foray and this is one of the main reasons why they're having this battle with Apple. I mean, if you're trying to build something like this, you need to have your own payment system. And mobile will be one of the ways that people are going to be uh, interacting and and hopping into and out of uh, a, a, a virtual universe, a metaverse. You have to be able to have your own payment system. You know, that's part of the economy that will uh, eventually be built. And using technologies such as blockchain and NFT so that if I... Get some sort of exclusive version of the DeLorean. I'm able to sell it to someone and transfer that ownership using NFT and blockchain technology over to another user, and then eventually be able to cash out on that, for example. So, all this virtual art that we're seeing sold right now on NFTs imagine a metaverse being built where you do have your own virtual home and you know you can invite someone over, and this is a perfect place for you to be able to advertise all this nft art that people are uh you know accruing right now for a heck of a lot of money but obviously you know we'll have to uh you know sort of wait and see um exactly where all of this goes but i i I guarantee you right now everything that i said i feel very confident in that this is really what epic is going towards there's something like once again i've been wanting to talk about for a while because this is something that will happen this isn't an if anymore um you know the natural world has finite resources but the digital world does not you know and um i think this is definitely where we are heading in terms of a, a big leap in in technology and i think that's really where epic is is uh kind of taking a better approach than something like roblox is where they're not fully relying on just users generating this content is that they're going after advertisers and kind of generating this content themselves and i'm sure that was one of the reasons why they picked up this mediatonic company is for this type of of content to be generated and maybe help them figure out exactly what a metaverse would actually look like would it be vr driven like something that we saw in ready player one um would it be more traditional uh input devices like keyboard mouse you know controllers and things like that and you're just moving around a digital avatar that's semi-realistic and sort of looks like you and i think they're really going after a bunch of industry simultaneously instead of it just being kind of a video game version of the physical world which i think is what roblox is a little bit closer to i think to them they're not looking for something like that they're really looking to push an actual virtual world uh hot new releases tomorrow march 9th we have apex legends coming to nintendo switch uh wednesday march 10th we have star renegades coming to playstation 4 and friday march 12th we have crash bandicoot 4 it's about time That's coming to Nintendo Switch and then the next-gen upgrades for PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X. And now all the stories we didn't have time to get to, time to wrap it up. Marvel's Avengers will get a next-gen upgrade March 18th along with an update that will make leveling up an even bigger grind. I I sort of am very confused as to what Square Enix has allowed to happen with Marvel's Avengers. Now, this is a game that the only way it would fail is if they allowed it to fail because you have such an advantage with just just doing anything marvel right now and MCU and the MCU right now just can't fail so the fact that they weren't able to get this to work is just an absolute embarrassment on behalf of Square Enix you know so far only two characters have been added in the last 7 months and actually only one technically the second one is 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 uh clint uh clint's version of hawkeye which is coming march 18th that's pretty embarrassing for a game that touted all this crap about dlc and, and free content afterwards that's pretty bad and it's also funny how uh even myself included we all made such a big deal Of Spider Man being PlayStation exclusive. I still think that Sony paid good money for that because they probably outsold the Xbox and PC versions. Had to be at least two or three to one just for that announcement. But I remember bringing up, I was like, the funny thing about this announcement is that we have absolutely no idea when Spider Man is actually coming out. And I theorized that he would be one of the last characters to be released. And that probably seems to be the case because if you're Square Enix, I'm saying, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna ask you to put all this work into just one single platform when the game is suffering. Um, and then a lot of people are, are angry because in the update, it's gonna take you even longer to level up. Uh, I, I just don't get this. This isn't a PvP game. This is PVE. Like just let people have fun. You're not breaking it by letting people have a very comfortable, um, enjoyable leveling system like why make it a grind once again this is a pvp game D- these decisions just don't make any sense they're killing it themselves take two ceo strauss zelnick confirmed grand theft auto 5 will not be a simple next gen port and will quote a new standard for visuals and performance i think that's pretty great he brought up the example of 2k's uh mafia trilogy and especially the mo- the, f- the first mafia that was remastered In terms of they're not really interested in just doing simple ports, which is great. I really, 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 really wish that Rockstar would outsource a lot of the gems because they they have this gold mine of games that could be remade and sell millions of copies. Then you have Bully. You could do a Max Payne trilogy, Red Dead Redemption one, repackage it with part two for a next gen upgrade. You have Manhunt one and two, which I think are games that definitely deserve remaxes. Those games are amazing. The GTA PS2 trilogy, and it's so weird to see that the most ported game <laughs> in a uh, Rockstar seems to be LA Noire for whatever reason. Like they need to give these other games another chance and give new generations a chance to replay these games. I really want to replay the Max Payne Trilogy. I'm I'm actually just thinking of just buying it on uh, on PC. I've been dying to play these games again. And finally, Torchlight 3 developer Extra Games has been acquired by Zynga. Just another acquisition. I talked about this uh, a little while ago about these becoming more and more frequent and uh, we're just going to continue to see things like this uh shout out to developer people can fly Two million players have experienced the outriders demo i had mentioned on my twitter that i was going to talk about this demo last i think it was in last week's show honestly i completely forgot and the reason why i completely forgot is because i think outriders is probably one of the most forgettable games that i've played in the last few years i have absolutely no idea where this moniker of a destiny killer came from this is kind of those type of games that i would tell people Come back in a year or two, and maybe it might be worth it. I really don't get it. the, the, the story was boring. The uh, actually, no. Let me, let me take that back. I think the story is a little interesting. The way it was presented was horrible. The epilogue that you play through is like really weird. There's so many stoppages and cutscenes, and you know the game just visually is rough. It, it it's a game that takes a lot from other games like Gears of War, Destiny the battle you know, even mass effect it felt a little bit of mass effect when I played the combat but it doesn't really do anything good <laughs> um, so to tell you the truth I feel like this is a game that's going to get kind of lost in the shuffle and um, it's kind of sad to see because they were kind of in a good position to really make a great impact especially being kind of one of the first types of these type of games on PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X. But either way, shout out to the developer. Two, two million plays is pretty good. I hope the game does well. I'm definitely not sitting here hoping for it to fail. I'm just not going to be one of those people to buy at launch. And that's our episode. Thank you so much for joining me. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Camp Koji for future update, updates. Once again, I'm Jawal and I will see you next week.